to episode 418 of Cinematary. I'm your host, Zach Dennis, and I'm here with... Reed Ramsey. And Mustachioed Jess. Today's episode, the three Mustachioed podcasters will be talking about movies that we saw this week in part one. In part two, we're going to continue our Young Critics Watch Old Movies series with 1989's Heathers. As we uh, start bringing Young Critics down to a close. Um... Real quickly, head over to Cinematary if you've not caught up with the series so far. We got, uh, we just got through the 70s, which was full of fellatio. But we got other things that are not full of fellatio around the series. Um, so you can go back from the 20s, the 30s, 40s, and so on. Head over to Cinematary.com to listen to those. And then... Uh, I think probably you will not be listening to Felatio. You will listening. You will be listening to people talking about Felatio. Oh, yeah. We don't know what the Patreon exclusives are. <laughs> Good clarification. <laughs> you have to. You have to subscribe yeah. for that. Um, but I think we'll have probably series for the rest of the year. Maybe for next week. I don't know. Something like that. Um, we're, but we're next, working on it. We're working on yeah, it. Yeah, we'll have we'll, we'll have our last young critics uh, next week, and we'll announce our next series. And then, I think the following two weeks we'll have um, Tiff Tiff Diaries from Reed, Andrew, and I. So we'll give you all the insights on all the all the movies that are happening in Toronto. Anyway, all right, let's jump in the movies that we saw this week. Let's jump in. Let's jump in first with Reed and his pet lion. Yeah, it is. It is my lion. I adopted this lion. Uh, <laughs> and send it out after it yourself and his family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, someone needs to after this movie. It's not in too good a shape. Um, but I'm talking about the movie Beast, uh, starring Idris Elba, released uh, this week. Um, Jess alluded to this actually in the pre-show, but it uh, is more or less Jaws, uh, more or less like a shark movie, but set in Africa. This family uh, led by Idris Elba, who are kind of in this period of mourning as a family. I won't go into that more, but like they're explore, uh, they're going like back to their mom's home in Africa to like kind of go on a safari, see some of uh, their like past friends and stuff like that. And they, of course, get attacked by a lion who, um, yeah, naturally. Uh, So they have, basically this lion has been, you learn early on, been like the victim of poaching. So there's like a kind of environmentalism bent to the movie. Uh, Like the lion is upset because his family has been killed by poachers. And I guess this lion is really like advanced and has watched a lot of other lions and animals get killed by poachers so he's just kind of hell-bent on taking some revenge on any humans he sees so um i've also forgot to mention this safari is led by a character played by charlotte copley who is just like really fun whenever he shows up in movies i think also mustache guy yeah yeah um he just like he just plays like this crazy like guy that goes on safaris basically i mean he he's like a nice guy but like he's very bizarre as you want him to be and like leads this this family through the safari and then ultimately like tries to lead them to be uh <laughs> to lead them to safety as well um but it it is like the most dad movie i think i've seen in a long time uh because it's all about <laughs> idris elba bonding with his <laughs> the most dad movie of all time 
bond in with his daughters um but uh and just trying to get them through this tough moment and i i do want to say that while idris elba is like a movie star in this he just plays like this kind of like scared doctor like he's very adept at like anytime injuries come up but other than that he's not really that competent so he's not like this like super buff like just like uh just like he's not like the rock in a movie basically you know where the rock like no matter his profession you're like yeah this guy's gonna like beat up some people he's much more like laid back and he doesn't want to like get in on it and like beat up this lion but i mean you're you're paying to see this movie you do you do get to see like a man punch a lion like it's pretty pretty worthwhile that's you have to get that at least i i like that he's just like an average doctor he's not like the top you know physician in la it's like no he has like a solid practice like in the middle of kansas (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's just supporting his family he's just doing what he can do um as all dads do or in this movie Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i want to know what the bigger dad movie of the year is beast or top gun maverick because that's a tough one i mean play them back to back but uh, I mean, dad double feature. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, more dads should. Well, maybe not Tom Cruise, but more dads should try to be like Idris Elba for sure. Uh- <laughs> more dads should ignore any sort of life up until their fifties, and then <laughs> and live in a hangar, living out the past, and yep, then exactly. You know, yeah. Um, but no, it's it's pretty good. Like it's definitely worth seeing. Um, for the like the action, the lion's actually really well done, and I've seen a lot of people talk about this. It's like way more convincing than anything in the live action Lion King that Disney spent just like millions and millions on. Which like I imagine most of the budget of this movie probably went to the lion. I bet because it's like a pretty good CGI lion. Is it's like so it's like RRR where it's like the CGI animals. Yeah, yeah, and I think it looks even a little bit better than that. But like in that movie, they like obviously make all these animals and stuff. And in this one, it's like I think most of the animals in this movie are probably real except for a couple lions. Um, so they've spent most of their money to like get this like one lion really really good. And it is like it's visually interesting. I do think I realized this while watching. So so many of the takes are like these really extended long takes like like six seven minute long takes basically with like the floating camera going through all these places and stuff i'm i had this like feeling that the director like wanted this to be like one of the single take movies and then didn't like plan it out right so then just like got to the edit and was like wait this doesn't work as a single take movie so it's not one of those but like almost every shot is just this really like extensive elaborate like long take shot which is really bizarre but it does kind of highlight the cgi that's good and some of the performances which are good like idris elba's the girls that play his daughters are both really good too um they're leah jeffries and ayana hallie also a fun piece of trivia that i saw as well that apparently Idris Elba admitted in an interview is that his own daughter auditioned to play his daughter in the movie and didn't get it because they didn't have good enough chemistry. <laughs> so she like didn't talk to him for weeks after that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, how do you come back from that? You don't have good enough chemistry with your own dad compared to these random actors. But I imagine too, it was like, like a total like nepotism shoe in thing. And she was just so bad that they were like, we can't even give you the nepotism hire, we're man. We're not even convinced she's your daughter. Like, <laughs> she like adopted or something? Like, What's going on? But yeah, 
that's beast there's not a whole lot else to say it's a pretty straightforward uh thriller but definitely definitely worth your money if you're into kind of creature feature type movies i hope it becomes like a franchise that's similar to like um where it's like the lion follows them to different places like this time they went on the african safari but like next time they go like on a trip to like iceland and the and the lion shows up and then like you know they go on a trip to like burlington vermont and then the lion shows up (laughs) (laughs) like i want that to happen burlington vermont yeah that's number three beast in burlington yeah (laughs) see there you go there you go yeah writes itself yeah it's directed by like jj abrams like you know it does (laughs) (laughs) make some money back there's a lens flare well beast uh call dad Call your dad up and uh, see if he's free. Yeah, and go head over to see Beast. Um, You know, it's dad. It's the dad year at the movies. That's what what can we tell you? You're a dad at the movies. What can we tell you? (laughs) Um, Speaking of dads, Jesse, you saw you saw a movie where there was a man who's old enough to be a father. Sure did. What are we talking about? (laughs) Bodies, 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 baby. Um, I just caught this at Central Cinema here in Knoxville, um, but it's kind of playing everywhere. So um, I guess the it's sort of like a, um, I don't know if like slasher is the right category for the movie. Um, definitely like a, a horror movie where people are slowly getting picked off one by one and you're sort of trying to figure out... Um, you know, who, who is the slasher? Um, and, um, so it's directed by Helena Rajin. I might not be pronouncing that right. Um, and it's starring, uh, none other than Pete Davidson, Amanda Stenberg, um, and several others, but, um, basically Amanda Law. Yep. Yep. Um, well, basically, um, a bunch of, I guess, young 20-somethings, uh, yeah, go to this, like, big mansion for what they're calling a hurricane party, and they decide to play, it's basically, like, their version of the game Werewolves, and I thought it was funny, because they actually make a joke where there's this older guy, did you watch it, Zach, or have you just seen, okay, because you mentioned, there's this older guy that's, like, hanging out with them, that's, like, clearly, like, probably pushing 40 or something and he's like dating one of these uh zoomer girls yeah but it's lee pace sure but i mean he's definitely out of place and anyway he like makes a joke saying like are are you guys still playing werewolves and because like i'm watching it and thinking like this is just this is just like werewolves you're just calling something else and you're not like talking about it but anyway their version of werewolves where um somebody gets like a card that says that they're the killer and they have to go and like just tap you on the shoulder and then you die and then um what i thought was kind of neat about the premise was they like turn off all the lights in the house and then they're just all kind of wandering around the house and they all have like a little flashlight but they um have to scream bodies, bodies, bodies when they find a body. And you don't know who amongst them is the killer, so at any point you could be killed too. And they're trying, every after a body's found, they take a round to try to guess who the killer is. Um, and they originally, on top of this, like they are, they've been like 
drinking a bunch, smoking a bunch, just taking a lot of drugs. So they're all kind of like revved up with this adrenaline anyway. And they mention when they're deciding whether or not they want to play the game, like, hey, this always gets really volatile. We always get to arguing. Maybe we shouldn't do it, but they decided to do it anyway. Well, um, one thing leads to another and somebody ends up actually dead. And I'm not going to say who. But then everybody... Will you like, like, if it's Pete Davidson, will you tell us? Damn. I won't. That'd be satisfying. <laughs> I could go if I went in knowing that I would. I be think fine. you should see it. Um, but uh, so somebody ends up dead, and then they realize that there may be a killer in their midst. Um, so they're trying to figure it out, and again, there's like kind of this perfect storm of a hurricane is going on outside. Half of these young people whose like brains are not fully developed are like coked out or like in other ways drugged. Um, so they're all just kind of like... It actually, honestly, to me, felt a little bit like... Um, oh, shoot. What's that movie? Um with the dancers and it's in French. Oh my goodness. Climax, climax. It actually reminded me a little bit of okay. uh, climax just in how like, you know, people are like kind of taking these substances that are altering their like states of awareness and altering their decision-making abilities and their um, logic abilities. And then chaos ensues and it's just like amplified because they are not in a headspace. They are, probably couldn't have made appropriate choices anyway but then add like drugs to it and add their tensions that they have amongst each other i think a lot of people kind of see it as a movie that's making fun of zoomers and just like how melodramatic they can be um and uh, maybe how they've taken buzzwords and kind of used them so much that they've kind of lost meaning words like um gaslighting for instance like we can i see this as a buzzword floating around so much that you know, are we actually using it to mean what we think it's meaning or is it just something we're throwing out sometimes when we are losing an argument? I think that it kind of highlights the way that people kind of will throw these things at each other and have arguments that have kind of like lost their meaning, but at the same time, um, maybe just showing this profound way that people are having trouble like communicating, connecting with each other. Um, like I didn't, I didn't see it as, by the end of it. I didn't really see it as a movie that is like, actually genuinely angry towards zoomers um but maybe i'm being a little charitable towards it um i thought it was kind of smart um i don't know kind of in just how it um i don't know shows that they are young too um i'm thinking about like how people you know learn to have arguments through their families and um also how our brains develop you know over time and through our 20s and our brains aren't fully developed until our later 20s and I'm thinking about all these people like just trying to be little adults and it's not their fault that you know based on the things that they've learned and based on the things that they've seen in the world around them that they don't know how to have these conversations and they don't know how to de-escalate and so like all there's a lot of situations in the movie where things get tense and people have weapons and everybody is so escalated and like so distrustful of each other it's almost like the thing too in that way like who who amongst us who among us right is the killer here um <laughs> And they can't, they, they just cannot de-escalate. And so, like, it just stays so escalated and so tense for so long for so many reasons. Um, I don't know. I guess as somebody, too, who works, like, 
who can work in crisis sometimes and, and works to help, like, how to try to, like, you know, depressurize things. I'm watching it and thinking, like, man, they just need, like, one person of, like, who, who could just help slow this down in so many this could have gone in such a different direction but I thought just overall the movie was like a lot of fun the music is really great the visuals there's so many dark scenes in it which can't always be handled well I think there's a lot of instances where movies like that you just can't see shit and it could be that I watched it in the theater and so that you know the quality of it was really good but I thought they, they did a really cool job doing those dark scenes and making them just sort of tense with the way they did the lighting, but never in a way that's annoying. And sometimes movies like that can be a little annoying with the way that it's shot, but you could see things really well. And then they, they were really careful too, with like having some bright colors thrown in there. Number one, just to make it look kind of more poppy and fun, but also just to add a little bit of a suspense to it as people are kind of like climbing and crawling and hiding in this like large space. Um, and the acting is just so good. Everybody it just plays such a ridiculous character that actually makes some really good points in the but like between like yelling and screaming and just like being total idiots. Um, I, th- I had a lot of fun with the movie and I thought it was um, smarter than I was expecting um, and just re- really good. I mean, I thought it was a very solid. I liked it. Going back to different terms for things, when one of the Gen Z people kills another one of the Gen Z people. Do they refer to it as a microaggression? I'm like, uh, no. There is definitely. Um, they should. <laughs> I think that might be a real aggression. I think that would be. Yeah. That's more than a microaggression. Um, I will say there That's is. There are multiple. At, that's what gets thrown at me. There are multiple conversations where people are talking about the importance of podcasting so nothing else that's unfortunate to be honest (laughs) (laughs) so if nothing else uh toot your own ego and watch bodies 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 so you can feel affirmed in your need to podcast or listen to podcasts i don't know you should see it it's great it's fun if you like a good whodunit slasher movie um and you want to hang out with pete davidson in hopes that he may or may not die check it out you'll see for yourself i feel like he does i feel like you put pete davidson in a in a movie where people are being murdered you just make that call he also has this scene that's just you've probably saw it in the trailers if you've seen the trailers where he's just like i mean look at me i have such a fuckable face and you're just looking at pete and he's just kind of like like when he says it too and you're just like sorry you can't hear this it's audio i keep forgetting it's an audio medium he he just has his like i swear he just goes out of his way to kind of like just stick out his teeth and like make the most bizarre face he also has a big black eye when he says it too and he's like look at me i've got such a fuckable face and i'm like thank you thank you so much zach i am an actor um check it out bodies 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 all that all that a24 hive you know Mm-hmm. it's not a dad movie though i wouldn't take your dad to see it unless lee pace is you know daddy to you i don't know yeah, maybe take your daddy, but don't take your dad. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I watched a movie that, that's also technically a new release, but this one came out on HBO and HBO Max and all those programs recently. Um, it's called We Met in Virtual Reality. Um, it's directed by Joe Hunting. And this one's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's one of those, like, it's fine, 
but it's a very fascinating like concept and like what's going on kind of thing. Um, so this takes place entirely in oh shoot I forgot what the no I, yeah but I forgot what the platform's called. Um, no, it's something else. Um, but uh, it's filmed entirely in this in this platform, this this virtual reality world, and you're following these various uh, relationships and characters who you never see like what they actually look like. You're just completely talking to their avatars, and this is um, it's not like virtual reality where it's like you have the mask and like little like joysticks. These are people who have like a whole. Um, have like the gloves and that kind of stuff and the mat and like are like moving around in like their living rooms and stuff because like there's the one character who um the the ones that you follow there's um one character who is uh uh um she is single and she does she teaches uh, asl um, in the in virtual reality, um, and then you have two couples that you follow. Um, you have the one person in the couple who she does like dance classes, which just the whole concept of that of like you have this like the the person who teaches ASL like there's like this whole school of learning ASL and um, it came out of people who have a who like who are deaf. Um, who have to use ASL but but want to play or like be a part of the virtual reality space but you know don't ha- you know can't express themselves so it's like utilizing that and like teaching other people how to utilize that which is kind of fascinating um, VR chat that's what it's called that's the platform uh, but you have this other one she's like teaching dance classes and things like that um, you kind of you have a couple other folks who the, the whole thing is uh, it predominantly was built out of um, the lockdown, the COVID lockdown. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of a lot of the people talk about how it's um, they utilize this space. Um, some of them have like social anxiety, um, struggle to meet people in physical relationships. Um, and, but they feel much more comfortable like in VR chat. And so um, a lot of them have really found this community within virtual reality and so i like it because the documentary is less about like oh look at virtual reality isn't that weird like oh my gosh like look at them move you know it's it's less about like the mechanics of it and more about how people have um become comfortable with the uh with the apparatus to you know find connections within the space you know like two of the characters that you follow uh, get married and they're not married tech, you know, in real life, but they're married like in the virtual reality space. And a lot of these couples have like met, um, in person at least once. Uh, one of them talks about how he, he is in, I believe Miami and then she is in London and the, the COVID lockdown really hurt them because this was at a point in time where, um, I think it was like he could go see her, but she couldn't go see him. Um, And so they have like, um, you know, real life interactions with one another. But at the same time, um, the, the, the COVID lockdown is making it more difficult. And so... Like I said, the documentary, I, I think overall it's not, it's fine. It gets kind of, it gets, it gets kind of droney and just the fact that it kind of, it doesn't really, 
it very much is just working on one level. You're following these these uh, these characters and these people around, um, doing different things, and you're kind of interacting with other places. And, and like I said, it's filmed entirely in this virtual reality space, and so there's a lot of like there's a lot of these kind of pillow shots or just like in between scenes from when they're doing interviews and stuff where um, you're just kind of exploring different spaces. You know, there's one, you know, you'll go to a lot of different like parties or um, I think one is like on new year's and like, it's all these people, you know, celebrating new year's uh, I think to, you know, the beginning of 2021 um, in VR chat and uh, it's interesting to listen to them talk about the different, styles and looks that they give their avatar the different like the ways that they met um the other person you know for the two couples the way they met the other person on on the chat and just kind of like i don't know i think it's a very empathetic uh documentary to virtual reality that's that's why i mentioned before it's not like going isn't this you know isn't this crazy all this stuff that you can do slash isn't it weird that people are like engaging with one another in this way it's more just like um i think i think because it's coming from the lockdown and the pandemic um it's kind of coming from isn't this nice that these that um all of these these people that you you meet in this um in this documentary like have found communities have found uh, people to engage with and interact with and, and be friends with, even though um, they're not necessarily like going out and doing that doing it in a more traditional way. And it kind of gives you a little bit of a, um, to, to me, it kind of, I feel, feel like it does have like this empathy toward, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the interaction. If these, you know, it's not like these people are just sitting inside festering, you know, in their own thoughts and just kind of stuck. It's like, no, you may disagree with the fact that they're inside, you know, playing in this platform, but at the same time, they're in this platform, they're, you know, teaching courses, they're, they're sharing skills, they're finding friends, they're finding, you know, partners, like, um, at the end of the day, it's like just this level of engagement. And so at least for me, I was less, um, I was less cynical about it because I think it's, you know, after you spend this hour and a half with these different people, um, you kind of see that even though like I couldn't see myself making like a VR chat character and like participating in this platform in that way. Um, it's nice that the people that you're following and other people you just kind of run into have found these different communities. You have moments where like you, you interact, you know, they interact with other characters and things like that. And they just kind of talk about, um, how they're able to find this intimacy of relationships, um, went while they're in this kind of lockdown. And it's, and it is kind of funny because like you, there's this one scene where one of the characters is sitting there and it's by like a campfire type thing with three or four other people. And like one of the, one of the characters is like a rabbit, and one of them is like, you know, has like this like crazy hairdo, you know, like they're, but at the same time, they're having this really like, um, you know, nuanced conversation about like how they met one another and how that, how it helps them kind of, um, go about their day, um, from day to day. And so I think it's a, like, even though it's, I, I'm not going to go, this is, you know, great documentary. I think it's all, I think it's one that's kind of fascinating. It deals with something, I watched it because it deals with something we talked about a couple months ago 
when uh, we did the podcast on parasocial relationships. Um, it kind of, I think it's a little bit adjacent to that um, where, you know, but at least in this one, like these people are finding, um, are finding this intimacy are finding this, these communities that allow them to <clears throat> feel much more seen and much more uh, realized than they do in reality, which it's kind of one of those to each their own type situations. So the whole thing, it's all totally shot in VR. They never interview the people like in person. Yeah. No, and I, I uh, a friend of the pod, Brian Welk, did an interview with the um, director that was interested and kind of asked that question, like, "Why did you ever think of like catching up with all the main, the five main characters that you follow, and like getting?" And he was kind of like, "He's like initially, you know, we thought about it, but at the end of the day, he's kind of like, no, like I want them to be in like living within that space. I don't want it to be like." this is the character that you've been following for an hour and a half. And then this is what he or she looks like in person. Um, you know? And so I don't know. I think it's a, it's like, it's, it's like an hour. It's like I said, it's an hour and a half. It's not, it's not too long. I think it brings up some fascinating points and it also just shows you like the, the kind of possibilities of virtual reality, especially like advanced, like that's why I mentioned at the beginning, like it's not just, it's not like you got the helmet on and like little two little joystick things. It's, it's a little bit more advanced and it's kind of cool that, um, you know, it's cool that they're able to teach ASL. They're able to teach these dance classes. They're able to kind of do these different things. Um, you know, it's 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 a little bit funny when like the two partners are like kissing one another, and you're just like, like, what do you look like right now, like with the mask on and things like that. You know, like, like you, you know, it's that kind of stuff is is funny. But I think it the documentary also, like I said, provides this level of empathy to these to these people um, that I think is 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 nice. So we met in virtual reality. Like I said, it's on HBO and HBO Max. Um, I think it's worth. I think it's you know, if you're kind of curious about like the like the re- relationships with technology and things like that i think it's worth checking out at least to check talk, a box do they there talk about like how much time each individual is on the vr chat like in a day? yeah a little bit i mean they talk uh, some of them have like um i mean it, it's at the lockdown point so a lot of them are working from home but a lot of them have like um remote jobs or things like that um they never get into like if there is like like if they're able to make money through what they're doing in VR chat it seems to me like they're just kind of like like from what they talk about like the one the one character is like no I like teaching ASL um, I learned it from you know learned it from family I met this um, this deaf person on VR chat and was really moved by her and so I wanted to help her kind of you know establish this 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 world that allows people to uh to learn it and like the person who you know does the dance class like i don't know i just like dancing you know i don't normally do it as much in person and so it's kind of nice to be able to do it in this uh in this virtual space and i just like to teach other people because then they get to you know get up and dance and do stuff themselves so um i don't i you know i think it's i think they kind of have remote jobs and things like that but it's mainly it's it's you're going in there and kind of going i'm hanging out with it's like if you were going to hang out with friends and like get something to eat and go to the movies and get a drink afterwards it's kind of like that it's like i'm gonna go spend four or five hours with with friends and do fun stuff 
but yeah I think it's I think it's like I said it's worth a watch if you're kind of if that's those types of ideas are something that that interests you um, all right well, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna be talking about um, some uh, not Gen Zers but uh, some Gen Xers who are go, go a little too far with their uh, with their high school uh, high school world after this break. Cinematary. In this part, we're going to be continuing our Young Critics Watch Old Movies series with 1989's Heathers. Directed by Michael Lehman from a script by Daniel Waters. The film stars Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, Shannon Daughtry, and Kim Walker. At Westerberg High, where cliques rule, jocks dominate, and all the popular girls are named Heather, it's it's going to take a Veronica and mysterious new kid to give teen angst a body count. Writer Daniel Waters began Heather's uh, sometime after his 1985 move to Los Angeles. At the time, he was a 23-year-old video store clerk with ambitions to write a blockbuster teen film. According to the March 23, 1989 issue of the LA Times, Waters based the script on the high school experiences of his sister and her friends, as well as a chapter about the cultivation of female identity in Simone Dubovois' 1949 book, The Second Sex. He also told the LA Times that he had grown tired of Hollywood's romanticization of suicide and that he believed most people actually harbor an ultimate fantasy of attending their own funeral. Referring to the 1976 Martin Scorsese picture, Taxi Driver, uh, Waters reportedly wrote the lead character Veronica as the female Travis Bickle, who sought uncompromising vengeance against her rivals. The original Heather screenplay ended with Veronica blowing herself up in an act of suicide, then attending her high school prom in heaven with all of her victims in attendance. Another ending has Veronica making peace with Martha at the end, but Martha pulls a gun from her wheelchair and shoots Veronica in the face. Then Martha would say, fuck you, Heather, and the scene would cut to bleeding Veronica on the ground saying, my name's not Heather, my name's not Heather. After this, Martha would stand up from her wheelchair and declare, I can walk, as Peter Sellers does at the end of Dr. Strangelove. Um... Waters originally envisioned the film to be a three-hour Stanley Kubrick high school film encompassing the entirety of the teenage experience. Of course, Kubrick Kubrick did not direct it, and things were cut down considerably in the development stage. However, director Michael Lehman did use Kubrick's full metal jacket as a visual guide for the film, particularly in the first cafeteria sequence. Uh, Before Christian Slater was cast, Brad Pitt, then an up-and-coming unknown actor, read for the role of J.D., and Jennifer Conley rejected the role of Veronica before Winona Ryder accepted it. 
Uh, Winona Ryder started shooting the film when she was 15 and turned 16 during the production. This caused some problems because they were limited by the amount of time that they could have her on set each day. For example, the scene in which Veronica and JD murder the football players in the woods was supposed to be shot during the evening, but they had to shoot it during the day to accommodate Ryder's teaching schedule on set. Heather Duke reads Moby Dick throughout the movie, but it was scripted to be Catcher in the Rye. The production couldn't secure the rights to use the book, and Waters insisted that that the film makes much more sense if you think of Catcher in the Rye rather than Moby Dick. Uh, in 1989, the New York Times said, Heather's a f- first feature directed by Michael Lehman is, a, is as snappy and assured as it is mean-spirited. Its originality extends well beyond the limits of ordinary high school uh, hysteronics and into the realm of the genuinely perverse. The Washington Post in 1989 said, Heather's is not pretty in pink, all pom-poms and puppy love, but bodacious in black chalkboard noir, the dark side of the wonder years. A cracked satire of the teen genre, it's slangy, raunchy, and gutsy as a prom date with Carrie. In 1989, Roger Ebert said, For a long time, we're not even sure of the point of view. Is this a black comedy about murder or just a cynical morality play? The traveler in the foreign country is not sure, but he knows the film inspires thought and has the ability to shock. Two qualities that make it worth considering. Maybe it's true that teenagers will understand it best. Maybe it's even true that they deserve to. On that note, let's talk a little bit about Heather's. Um... Had anybody seen it before? Yeah, yeah I, I have. Yeah, I think this is maybe my third time seeing it. This is my first, so good stuff. Um, yeah, I think you picked this for Young Critics, Jesse, so I'm going to start with you. Yeah, um, well, I think it, it's neat because it's, you know, it's an 80s movie, and it's um, definitely got, you know, some of the, the recognizable fashion and... Um, I don't know, some of the tropes of 80s movies um, while also kind of being something a little different. Um, I think it's neat that um, this is very clearly like a major inspiration for Mean Girls, which I think is more of the movie of our generation. Um, This feels kind of like somehow meaner than Mean Girls, um, but also kind of like if Mean Girls wasn't about her... Um, joining the clique, but actually more about her day-to-day experiences of being in the clique. Um, And it's funny that you were saying that um, his vision of it was her... What was it that you said? That she's like the female version of... See, like, I saw her a lot of the movie as kind of a victim in this relationship. Um where she kind of, I don't know, you know, kind of got tricked into it and he very clearly knew what he was doing and knew how he was kind of manipulating her and then sort of making it seem like it was her fault or making it seem like it was her idea or something that she wanted and then her kind of feeling helpless to, like, what are you going to do now? Like, you're kind of an accomplice in this situation. Um, And... um, I don't know, very much a little bit trapped, I think. So, I don't know. Well, yeah, she, you, yeah, you know, I mean, she's trapped whether it's the, the relationship with the Heathers or even the relationship with JD. Like, she really doesn't have much of her own agency either right. way. And, I mean, like, as easy as it is as an outside observer to say, like, well, she should just, you know, be friends with somebody else. She should just do this. I think it's really hard for teenagers when they're, you know, wanting, really so wanting needing social acceptance um 
Um, so I don't know. It's kind of some initial reactions, but what did you think? It was, Reed, was it your first time watching it too? I had seen it once um, several years ago, and I watched it honestly thinking, I knowing nothing about it, thinking it was just like an 80s movie. And yeah. I think that's like actually maybe in some ways the best way to go into it because it's such a weird movie like it's so bizarre and dark like even knowing this time what would happen i was still shocked by how dark this movie is Mm -hmm. um although i did so this time watching in the first murder i'm not fully convinced that veronica didn't know what she was doing like the way they cut it together it almost looks like she takes the the drink of like the uh, what is it like a drain cleaner or whatever like on purpose and jd just doesn't stop her like he's obviously like driving a lot of it but it's kind of like i i thought that was kind of a weird moment because i read it the first time i watched it the same way you did where she's just like accidentally involved in all this yeah and then i wasn't positive that was the case in the first murder this time i don't think like she wants to kill the football guys but i think she's also being a little short-sighted by not realizing he's going to yeah i think she especially with well with the first murder i think she definitely could have done a little bit more to verify that that was just the gross cup and not the deadly cup um but you know I don't know, maybe she want part of her subconsciously wanted to kind of leave it to chance and, and make it an accident. Um, but it's hard to say. I think, like, if she, perp- you know, if she'd been more intentional, she wouldn't have picked that on purpose. But maybe she, maybe there was a small part of her that, like, wanted to leave it to chance and wanted it to happen. But um, I also feel like there was definitely some manipulation there and that she wouldn't have ever actually done something like this had it not been for yeah, her. For sure. I mean, he's like a, he's, he's like such a dislikable character, like unbelievably dislikable, I think. Like, I think it's kind of weird because I don't, I think a lot of other people in the movie at times find him charming and he does not give me that vibe at all. I think I definitely thought he was charming like the first time I watched this movie. Um, And something I, I noticed big time about it this time watching it. It's not just with him, but it's, like, especially with him. Everybody talks very odd. Like, every interaction between, like, a child and a parent is super odd. Um, But a lot of people's conversations, like, whether it's him talking to her or her talking to her friends, nobody's conversations just feel like a real moment that people would have. It feels very... It feels so very, you know? Um, It feels like people trying to make like quippy teenage dialogue or something which is still something that we do we just do it kind of differently now i think but um wow i don't know so so but him especially he talks so oh it's just like so into it's like i don't know now i'm watching it and i don't i do not see it as charming i see it as like incredibly I don't know. It just makes my skin crawl. Well, it's very, it's, it's very like, it's very, uh, very know-it-all arrogant. You know, he just kind of like delivers, delivers diction. And you're just, and you're just like, I want to punch you in the face. And, but I think maybe <laughs> she does find him refreshing in a way because she does just surround herself with like eggheads and such inorga- inauthentic company that him actually kind of speaking like reality to something is very, very refreshing for her. Like, even her conversations with her family just feel very, like, 
very stiff and scripted because there's literally like they replay the same scene like three times like why am I doing this silly thing because you're an idiot <laughs> I am and then her, the mom saying you too and then her saying well I got a jet like they, they replay that same scene like three times in the movie so maybe that's like what her appeal is to him is that he just feels real and raw and perceptive of the like and she talks about how she's like a little bit more intelligent than her age group right and so maybe she kind of likes that but rewatching it now I just I don't know. He also just kind of mimics, like, kids that I've met now working in, like, mental health over the years. And it just, that also makes me my skin crawl a little bit, but... Yeah, Zach, you saying he's, like, arrogant, though, did make me think about, like, other protagonists from 80s movies at this point, though. And, like, he is kind of like if Ferris Bueller was a serial killer. <laughs> like, if Ferris Bueller had, like, a much darker side, he's got, like, he's kind of like the same yeah. arrogant idea guy... Like, he's just, he's just gonna make something happen, but his version's gonna be really, like... The the dialogue in the movie reminded me of, um, of, like, But I'm a Cheerleader, where it just has, like, this very, like, y- you're, you're, you're capturing the difference between, like, the, the, the main characters and everybody else just by how, like basic and uninspired everybody else's dialogue is and then you have the dialogue of like Winona Ryder or Christian Slater and you're like yeah this is a lot different and so it's like you can kind of you know it's it's read I was reading Ebert's review and he's he's kind of complaining that you can't figure out whose movie it is and I'm like you can kind of tell though because two of the characters are talking wildly differently than everybody else is talking and it's not necessarily like this is just how teens talk it's like no they you just have like there's just like different like um not volumes but like different uh uh like just the speech patterns the uh the diction is just completely different between everybody else and those two characters for sure even like it's not it's not like a movie condescending from like an adult's perspective either because like it's really condescending towards the adults in the movie like they they don't come off well at all yeah, you think of like the scene when the the school administrators are like trying to figure out what to do and you just have like a wide variety of of crazy adults in different forms. I mean, you have just like the old principal who's just like ah and then you have all the very like despond, you know, not spot but just like disinterested, disengaged teachers and then you have the one the, the school one counselor teacher or whatever. Yeah, the school counselor is just like let's all just love each other, you know, like all and it's just like and they're all but none of them they're all just like these very again, it's like very caricature-y, but it it plays off of everything else and just kind of shows it it's a good way of like going this is how bland everybody else is you know compared to the winona Ryder character and the uh and the christian slater character um that's why i say it reminded me a lot of uh but i'm a cheerleader because you get the same type of thing with like whenever natasha leone and, and clea duvall are like interacting it's completely different than anybody it, it, when you know she's interacting with the the woman who runs the house or her parents or something um so this being my first time seeing it it was um it was I, it, one it's just like like what you you all have talked about like it's just a wildly dark and different movie it's funny to me that this i think people i think, I think people, a lot of fan there's a lot of fans of this movie i don't think it's definitely like a underseen movie but i definitely feel like it doesn't have like it, it definitely feels like on a different tier than like the John Hughes high school movies or other. Right, it's not Dirty Dancing or, or it's something not like, like a that. Feel good. Yeah, but it's like, but that's it, just so disappointing because like, 
like this movie is so endlessly quotable. I love um, my dead gay son. I mean, yeah. What's what? What is a better line than the guy crying over the casket saying, "I love my gay, my dead gay son," and they're in the football helmets with the ball. Like, I mean, I mean, it's God, amazing. Those scenes, the, every funeral scene just gets like increasingly campier uh, to the final one where people are like, for some reason, they're wearing three D glasses and they're all in these like white suits. And your whole time you're watching, you're like somebody say psych right and eventually they like they do cut and show that it's not real but good lord um well and it's just you know from and even the lines between like the heathers and veronica like you have the what did you have a brain tumor for breakfast you know you just have like all these like insane lines that they're just tossing back it it, and it's it's, you know you mentioned before jesse that it, it very much feels like a a purveyor of uh, mean girls and it's it's kind of disappointing because i'm like this one throws out as you know as good of lines if not better than mean girls and it's it's kind of sad that it doesn't get the same quotability as that one but um, it's meaner somehow i think uh, it's, it's like much meaner. more mean-spirited yeah i actually this is a random fun fact but the writer um what's his name again daniel waters Daniel waters his brother directed mean girls Ah, wow. Actually, Mark Waters. Random fun fact. Yeah. This is kind of like, to me, this is sort of like some slightly softer version of Jawbreakers, but like a meaner version of Mean Girl. So it's almost like if Jawbreaker and Mean Girl, like, fused into one, like, this is what meets right in the middle. Um, and then Drop get drop Dead Gorgeous, I think, is like maybe on the far end of just like straight up mean spirited movie. Jawbreaker is close, but I actually really like Jawbreaker, even though I think it's <laughs> just aggressively mean. Um, it's meaner than this, and this is pretty, pretty rough, I think. But to me, I think like so much of this is like, it, like I think that Winona's character kind of sums it up when she's writing in her diary of like I don't actually want this person to die like conflict is like you know this is just gonna happen um, I'm just really mad right now and I'm expressing this in my diary because this is like a safe space to like vent and this frustration but um, you know I don't know I'm also coming from this perspective of working with kids and having to um, sometimes um, what's the word I'm looking for sitting down with kids who are saying that they're wanting to kill themselves or hurt themselves or hurt somebody else and having to have these conversations where I'm like figuring out what they're actually meaning like what is their intent because I think everybody at some point in their life has had the thought god I just wish she would die right now I just like can't fucking stand this person I wish they were dead um or like people feeling just so overwhelmed by something and saying like I wish I was dead right now and that's not like that you really want that but that that this this particular situation is so overwhelming that you wish you could just like fast forward through it and not have to live through whatever the thing is whether it's frustrating or sad or painful um and so you know young people especially have a hard time especially when the situation is so much bigger than something they've ever dealt with before usually the pains that they go through are the biggest pains they've ever experienced in their life um and so you know i don't know i have this tendency to say teenagers are so dramatic but they're dramatic because they're going through some of the most painful experiences and so I don't know this, it's, it's crazy to me too like there's a scene in the movie where Christian Slater just pulls out a gun in the cafeteria and pretends to shoot somebody like and then he's at school like the next day it's 
ridiculous now. It's like think that the scene it was just in any way plausible at one point in history and now like this would be like the news event of the week if something like that happened now. Well, that's what it's funny cuz they were I guess they were planning a um a Heather like a Heather show um and it was around the time of like oh, Parkland. Yes, I remember this. And like they shot the entire series, they you know, or like the entire, the entire season, they had it fully cast, all that kind of stuff. But they ended up not doing it um because I think that just it deals with stuff it's a very it's it's just a very fine line satire and i think the movie itself handles it pretty pretty well um but i mean it's kind of one of those questions you know that we always have like is this a is this a movie that could play if it came out you know in 2022 and i i'm like i don't think it could because quite honestly i don't think audiences have the um media literacy to kind of go oh this is satire it's not it's not real it, it, it's or it's not like advocating for any of this stuff i mean i think it's hard too because like even even like trying to take this movie from like decades ago it really it is so unsettling at times because it probably because it is a successful satire like it's not just a fun movie by any means um even with like the ridiculous one-liners or like um the 80s like vibe it's not really fun um and i think that's like an interesting line that it walks because it it after i watch it it's really hard for me to like recommend it to people beyond being like this is like it's definitely like a well-made movie and you're gonna have a lot to think about afterwards or talk about but it's not like it's by no means like a good time yeah um no well it's 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 an interesting and that's why i think it has to be so campy and so the dialogue has to be so unrealistic because it's very much like you were talking about jesse it's 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 normally it would be like people you know the kids have these thoughts or the you know teenagers feel this way but not you know nine times out of ten nobody's acting on it um, and this and this is kind of like live. And it ha- this movie has to be so campy and so unrealistic in terms of how people speak and all of this stuff, because it's gonna follow through with like the reality of like you feel that way, you think that, and you think of an action to how you feel, and you're gonna react to it. You know, and re- it's not like you're gonna just write it in your diary and let it sit there. It's like no, every time in this movie, if somebody's like, yeah, I wish that person was gone, like then the you know it happens. And so I think that's probably why they had to couch it in so much, um, uh, you know, just this campy dialogue and the absurdity of like these these scenes, whether it's the funerals or what have you, or or like that school the school uh, program that the counselor runs, you know, for the TV station. Like you have to make it so absurd because um, you have to show that like there's not going to be a. Uh, uh, you know, you're not gonna see the reaction you want if you do that to to the person, um, which I which I think to, at least to me I found it to be really effective. Um, what did you all make? I think we talked about her a little bit, but um, I feel like this is kind of the quintessential the quintessential Renona Winona Ryder. I mean, people know her from you know from Beetlejuice to Little Women. Now people know her from Stranger Things, but I feel like Heather's is probably the one that a lot of people point to for Winona Ryder. Um, what did you all make of her in this? Um, wait, who did you say that they were... You, not Was it Demi Moore that you said? Uh, Jennifer Conley. I, get them confused. I think that she's perfect in it. Um, I love that she kind of plays... I mean, she's, like, cute enough that she 
like seem to blend with the popular girls, but she's got this perfect like I don't know, um kind of precocious um teenager girl that she's able to bring up like where she's smart, but she's, you know, kind of self-aware and she's um I don't know. I think she does a great job with it and she just, you know, she's got these cute little big eyes too where she just I don't know. She's fresh. I think she's fresh. Yeah, I think she's so good. I'm I was shocked when you said she was like 15 or 6 15 I or know. 16 when the movie came out cuz she like carries it really well. Like yeah. I don't know. I I just think she like comes off as a very like mature actor and is like really delivering these like campy lines better than like most actors or actresses could, I feel like. Um and it's just really maybe it's like her voice she has such a distinct voice too so when you pair that with like the ridiculous lines like are we going to prom or are we going to hell like such a good line but like in her voice it like it's even better for some reason like i don't know i think she's great though well she knows the kind of how to like she really like exudes the personality of the character like she does have like this this kind of precociousness like you said it's this deadpan but um i think like the way that that's what makes the movie interesting the way that that's kind of challenged throughout the movie you know she starts having to kind of tear that down a little bit as the movie goes along as, as these um people keep dying because she's you know after a while like you can't be you know i think she yells at a christian slater like you know like this isn't like like after a while you have to kind of like it, you kind of have to accept like what's going on you can't just like kind of just pass it off and be like ah it's whatever nobody's gonna care in the end you know and it's like she has to kind of like work through that to a degree so that she's also not numb to other people like um like the heathers are and a lot of the other people are in the movie i also have to say that i i enjoy just how over the top obnoxious the football player guys were just like outrageously over the top they're really good they are such characters they're just like the well even like the whole sequence when they kill them in the woods is just cracking me up because one they do the guy the one the police officers in that sequence what sorry the police officers in that sequence stuck out to me so much this time like that guy just like acting like he was on like columbo or something running through the woods like yeah i this obviously podcast so that's unhelpful but still he's he was so funny i I also like how you know they made a whole thing about um they were trying to present them as gay and so they're like pulling out the different items that they're going to have in their bag and she's like she's like mineral water and then like the the cop like looks at the bag he's like well we know what happened here (laughs) (laughs) is all you gotta know and he pulls out he's like (laughs) you don't even need the note it's so good yeah um no, it's 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 genuinely pretty funny a lot of the time, even though like it's it is dealing like handling these very like kind of dark, messed up topics. Um, a lot of the times, it is it is pretty there's there is it is pretty funny. Like I mean, again, like the scene in the in the funeral when the guy's just crying, going "I love my dead gay son" is fantastic. <laughs> like just a plus a plus camp going on there well in the first funeral for um heather when they go th- cut through all the prayers of like the high schoolers and stuff 
I thought that was a really, really funny and well done scene. So Elias was yeah. just having like these selfish prayers, like kind of about Heather, kind of not. Yeah. What did uh, What did y'all make of just that, like, kind of that part of the satire of like, you know, the teenage, the other teenagers in the high school didn't really care about her, but are like are using this tragedy to kind of uh, uh, not really prop themselves up, but like just kind of using it to to using it almost to their advantage to just kind of get get away with things being jaded in how people would uh react to a suicide of a classmate i don't know i mean i think on the one hand maybe there's some authenticity to it too where they would kind of be sitting there thinking man i'm supposed to like be feeling sad right now but actually she was such a bitch (laughs) um And, like, that's what's running through my head. Like, I can remember when I was a little kid, I had to attend this funeral, and I remember um, the the priest or whatever, like, was asking us all to think of, like, a pleasant memory of the person. And, like, the only memory I could think of, this was a cousin of mine, and um, I could think of this memory where she had slapped me. And the only memory I could think of at her funeral was, like, when she slapped me. And so I feel like it might not be completely unrealistic for people to be sitting there thinking, I'm supposed to be thinking of, like, nice things, but actually, like, this girl was, like, such a bitch to me and everybody around us. Um, and, like, it's this is, like, sad and confusing and odd, but also... Mm. Yeah, well, it's just, it reminds me, like, how when people die... It's like, no matter who they are, it's like, oh, you know, it's just the saddest thing. Like, when Rush Limbaugh died, really, who gives a fuck? Like, that dude was a monumental asshole and was a piece of shit that, like, ruined a lot of the world. Like, he died. Who gives a shit if he dies, you know? It's like, it's like there's a scale. It's like the only people you can be mean about who have died is Hitler. And then everybody else, it's just like, you got to be kind of nice. And you're like, no, come on. No, some people, die, like, like, when can we just be like, that person died? Be like, I mean, that's sad, but she was kind of a bitch and not a great person. <laughs> so, like, like Heather was. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's just like, you know. Um, like, I mean, it's clearly a scene that, you know, is supposed to be whatever. I don't know. I, but I also do think that there's some layer of like genuineness, I think, or some layer of like maybe that would kind of be how that would play out in some of their heads. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think I feel similarly to y'all. I think like there is like a level of uh, authenticity to it, at least in terms of how like a lot of kids would react. I do think like like they wouldn't always verbalize it, but this movie in a lot of ways is about like those kind of things that kids don't necessarily verbalize, but like are thinking or saying or gesturing towards each other anyways um so i think like a lot of kids or teens in the situation would have a similar reaction and like especially with how this school like we already talked about how poorly the adults are like handling the situation there's no there's no like feeling of grief around the school it's actually mostly like you said zach like a moment for clout weirdly like the school gets noticed and gets talked about i think like even some of the maybe some of the other heathers mention how it's like putting them on the map or something as like the suicide school or something and it's it's just so it's so screwed up and there's also the level of like the layer too where uh 
it gets it barely digs into this with like Heather's murder, but like the idea of like someone's death adding a lot of depth to their character in other people's eyes, like the way she writes her suicide note, people were like, "Wow, I didn't know Heather like had these kind of thoughts or was capable of like the like even using this word." Or like having these opinions or thoughts. She used myriad correctly. <laughs> yeah, using this deep, having this deep outlook on life, and so like in a way it like, like uh, celebrate. I don't know. Like I don't. That sounds bad. But like, it it digs into that a little bit where we do tend to like just venerate people who have died, regardless of like their situation. Like no one liked her, but all of a sudden like, oh, she was like this deep thoughtful person even though she was like an asshole to everyone at the school. Yeah. In, in you mentioning like that people uh you know, use it for clout reminds me that a little bit of that reminds me of um uh World's Greatest Dad with Robin Williams. Yeah, I thought about that movie too a little bit. That is a yeah. dark fucking movie. That's another dark super dark movie about death and autoerotic asphyxiation. Any last thoughts on Heather Heather's before we go? Um, I mean, my, my kind of thing is like still like, you know, sharp movie. Um, I think, I think it's one that should get talked about more around, you know, less John Hughes and, you know, throw this in a little bit more. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I like. I was sold. sold it. It. I, I love my dead gay son. So <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't sure about halfway son. through. I was like, I don't know, and then they dropped that, and I was like, that's a great line. <laughs> this, is this is it. This is Zach approved. That movie. was just a great. You know, I was. The, yeah, uh, that, immediately I was like, that's a great line. <laughs> so silly. It's such a silly line. Um, but yeah, did y'all have any thoughts? Oh, all right, Josie. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, I think it's, it's um, I think it's fun. Fun? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a time. <laughs> yeah. It's so very. I th- it's just. So I think varied. you should just go under it with like how Reed described it. If Ferris Bueller was a serial killer. <laughs> That's a, and honestly, Ferris Bueller might be a serial he killer. Might be. In, I don't not not like like what did he go on to do? I don't trust anyone that likes like fair that their takeaway from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is like Ferris is like I like that guy yeah 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 you can want to hang out with him but you can't want to be like him or like him too much. Not in Ferris Bueller, I'm Team Cameron because it's Connor Roy, so I gotta support the Conheads. <laughs> Man, that would have been an interesting podcast episode. There's we should do yeah. that one sometime. There you go. I think that would be fun. I haven't watched it yeah, in I... ages. Next series, it's just one movie. It's just Ferris Bueller's Day. Uh, yeah, we can do 80s movies that are shoved down our faces constantly. <laughs> <laughs> just John Hughes movies. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Do Ferris Bueller and like Back to the Future. Just do like the 80s weren't really that good people, period. You... It, it brought us Ronald Reagan, the series. Oh the series. And this one barely is an 80s. It's 80, wait, is this 89? 89? Yeah. It's, it feels very, like, tail-end 80s, but I think a lot of, like, uh, you, you can kind of see some early 90s in it. Um, 
Like it feels, it, it feels closer to honestly, it feels closer to like a Clueless than it does a uh, like Pretty in Pink or something. All right, which that's fine. Clueless is way better than Pretty in Pink. <laughs> Clueless is great. <laughs> Pretty in Pink sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's such a stupid movie. Sorry. All right. Well, that will wrap up this episode of Cinematary. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cinematary, on Twitter and Instagram at, at cinematary, and on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash cinematary, where we post all the movies that we talked about in this episode. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, um, whether it's $1, $5, whatever you'd like to give, um, remember, if you do, even if it's just a dollar, if you donate, you get to pick a movie. So if you want to hear us eviscerate Ferris Bueller, give us a dollar. We'll Please do, do. I would. That would, sounds great. That sounds like a good use. Yeah, of my I mean, just give us a dollar. We'll eviscerate Ferris Bueller. Um, but thank you to our patrons: Cam, Chad Newsom, Corey Willingham, uh, Candace Sisson, Ron Hayes, Teresa Marsathi, uh, Titus Arthur, and Tyler Chandler. Thank you so much for your patronage. Next week, we're bringing Young Critics to a conclusion with 1985's Angel's Egg. We're gonna do a little anime, folks. Do a little anime. This was also a Jesse. Yeah, pick. another Jesse. A lot of Jesse picks here, you know. Ending. We're ending with the Jesse picks. I actually haven't seen Angel's Eggs, so I'm about to get egged. We're about to get egged, yo. That's, <laughs> we're gonna make T-shirts for next week's episode. We got egged. Get egged. We got egged. Um, if you have not followed us though on Twitter and Instagram, just kind of a second plug on those. Um, we'll be posting stuff from Tiff. Um, on both Twitter and Instagram, and then we might do we might do the video reactions. I don't know. We'll see how we feel. Um, but we'll definitely have reactions to those movies in the episodes. But definitely follow our Twitter and Instagram accounts if you would like to see what predominantly me am feeling about movies that we saw in Toronto. So. Uh, why do you say predominantly you? Andrew you and Reed see, will only a little bit have feelings? Uh, well, Reed might. Reed seems like he might would post on Twitter and Instagram. I don't find Andrew posted on Instagram. And he doesn't, he doesn't have an Instagram, he doesn't have a Twitter. So his, have, his thoughts are just Instagram going into the... <laughs> Andrew's just going to like get a like cowbell and run down the streets of Toronto being like, here's what I thought! I thought that Wendell and Wilde is great! <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he can grow a mustache between now and then. Um, so that he'll be mustachioed with you guys. Give him that challenge. Give him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, until next week. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you then.